Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsberry, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. All right, uh, as we move um, into uh, getting ready for our day, and we're going to be talking about our, our elders this morning and selecting elders, and Max Lucado tells a, a story that was told to him by a farmer um, that there were a couple of stray dogs that were in this farming community, uh, a male and a female German shepherd. And this particular farmer who told him the story uh, said that just periodically those, that, those two dogs would wander on his property and, and he kind of knew who they were, but he didn't know where they stayed and they'd come and they'd go. And, and then one day, uh, the male of the two German shepherds came and was acting funny and Kind of doing like if this is really going back, this is even before my time, but kind of like Lassie would do, you know, they would, she would come and, and, uh, this, this, this dog would come and come close to the farmer, then go away toward the field and come back and go away. Finally, he realized, oh, something's going on. So he followed the dog into the cornfield and found the female of the two dogs laying on, on the ground with her leg shot off. And, um, so the farmer quickly called his vet to come out. In the meantime, he stayed there by the dog and, and that, that male German shepherd just kept licking the wound of that female and, uh, and taking care of her. And even among animals, there is a sense that we have that we need to take care of each other. And as we, I liked that story because it had the word shepherd in it, not German shepherds, but we're going to talk about church shepherds today. But the principle and the truth is still there that, that we need, and, and elders, one of their key roles is that they help take care of us. And so we're going to talk today pretty in depth about what that shepherd looks like, what the heart of that shepherd looks like today and next week. And so I appreciate you being here. Hope you'll be blessed today. And Matthew, thank you for continuing to lead us in worship. I want you to imagine three, three scenes. The phone rings and it's an emergency. And on the other end of the line is a member of the, the local church. Their spouse has been in an accident and it doesn't look good. And you know this family and you know their names and you know their children and you don't hold a degree in Bible or a degree in ministry. You hold down a a full-time job, but you're their elder. And so they call and you answer and you and your wife gather your things and you head to the hospital to be with a family. Or the phone rings, and it's good news. And one of the ladies in the church has a relative who she's been talking to, and and that relative's beginning to ask some questions and thinks that she's interested in knowing more about Jesus. And so you answer the phone, and they tell you this story, and they ask, hey, would you would you help me out with this? And so you agree, and you and your wife and that lady and her relative make make some plans, and you have them over for dinner, and... That becomes a weekly event and you begin to study and learn more about Jesus with that person. Or one final scene. It's a Friday night and you're gathered in a room with other elders and with their wives. And this is the first night of a weekend that you're going to spend together and you're going to pray and you're going to dream and you're going to plan for the future of the church. So in one scenario, uh, 
a member's in pain and an elder draws near. In another scenario, a member needs help and an elder steps up. In another scenario, the church is moving forward and an elder is leading the way. I want to talk about elders, shepherds, overseers this morning. Because that's God's intent for His church, is that elders would function in that way. God never meant for His church to be a hierarchy where there's just one person in charge. He never meant for one person to take all the responsibility. Ever since the resurrected Jesus looked at Peter and said, feed my sheep. There have been shepherds in God's churches. If you want to follow along in your outline, I'd encourage you to do that this morning. We're just going to make some observations here at the beginning. And one of those is that it is essential that the church be led by a plurality of elders. That's probably one of the only times we use that word, but we use that when we talk about elders. A plurality of elders. It just means more than one elder. And that's not really optional. That's not really advisable. It's, it's just essential because leaders together set the pace and they set the example for the church. And there's never been a strong church without strong leaders. There's never been a prayerful church without prayerful leaders. There's never been a disciple-making church without disciple-making leaders. There's never been a visionary church without visionary leaders. We could, we could use every adjective you would want to use, every, every idea that you would want to use, and a church will only go as far as its leaders will go. And a church will be weak if they are led by weak leaders. And a church will be strong and will be healthy if they're led by strong and healthy leaders. And so we need, we need a group of men to lead our church. Another thing just to notice here. I believe there's no higher privilege than being an elder in the Lord's church. And I mean that. There's no higher privilege than to serve God and His church in this way. To be an elder is a noble position. That's something the Bible says. What I say is true. Anyone who wants to become an elder desires a good work. To be an elder follows in the footsteps of Jesus himself. Shane just reminded us of that in the passages that he read. You were like sheep that wandered away, but now you've come back to the shepherd and protector of your souls. And to be an elder is to imitate the heart of God. He takes care of his people like a shepherd. He gathers them like lambs in his arms and carries them close to him. He gently leads the mothers of the lambs. This is the kind of place the church should be because this is the kind of men that they have as leaders. A place where everybody knows an elder and where everyone is known by an elder. I want to say that again. The church should be a place where everybody knows an elder, a shepherd, and a place where everyone is known by an elder or a shepherd. See, elders were never meant to be uh, figureheads that were at the top of an organizational chart. They were never meant to be 
faceless names who gather behind a closed door. They were never meant to be an emergency group that, that gets called on to put out fires when they start. Elders were intended to be the godly men who were dedicated to the leading and the feeding and the caring of the church. And Jesus, in the 10th chapter of John, shows us how personal this should be. The shepherd calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And in this passage, in John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about himself. But it's clear in the context, he's not just talking about himself. He's talking about Israel and being led by good or bad shepherds. And so he's talking about the men who are called to lead. And he says that not only him, we use it about him, but but in our local church, the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. A good shepherd doesn't look on the sheep as a herd to be guided and steered and, and moved in a certain direction. The shepherd in a local church needs to know the church by name. Needs to know the good things that are going on in their life and the struggles that are going on in their life. The, the things that bring in joy and the things that bring sorrow. Successes and, and struggles because he knows the sheep and they know him. The sheep also follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. It's vital that we have this personal relationship that we know and that we are known so that we'll know our leader's voice, voices, and so that we'll follow them, that we will, we will obey them, that we will do what they ask us to do, that we'll avoid what they ask us to avoid. We'll go where they ask us to go. We'll, we'll reject what they ask us to reject. So this is the kind of leadership that God envisions for his church. Because God looks on us as sheep, as lambs who need to be led and who need to be fed and who need to be cared for. So what, what is an elder? The New Testament uses three words. Shane King kind of said he likes one of them more than the other, and I get that. But the, the Bible uses three words interchangeably for these men who lead. The first one, and it doesn't matter to you what it is in Greek, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's called poimino. It is translated pastor, and it just literally means a shepherd. That was the word for a shepherd, a poimino. That's the, that's the guy who took care of the sheep. There was a second word that's used interchangeably in the New Testament, and it is presbyteros, and it literally means elder or one who is older. That's what's what an elder is. It's somebody who has some age and some experience. The Bible doesn't tell us what age you become an elder. It just this is someone that we look up to that they've had some life experience. They they are a little bit they they're a little bit older. They have some spiritual maturity. I think that's a key part of being older. It's not just old in years, but older in spiritual maturity. So we've got those two words. The the third word is episkopos, and it's translated bishop or overseer. And it is literally one who looks after. Overseer. They're, they're looking out over. They're looking after. This is somebody who has some leadership ability. Now, ideally, an elder would kind of have all of those qualities. But realistically, no one of us, besides Jesus, have all of those qualities. Usually... Uh, an individual elder is going to be stronger in one of those areas than maybe in another area. 
And that again is why I think the Bible encourages us to have a group of men. We are better when there's a group of men. And, and I watch this happen all the time, but I watched it happen last Tuesday night. We, we met together last Tuesday night with the, the elders and the ministers. And the minister who was responsible for this particular area put a proposal forward that, that he had thought about and that we had thought about. But, but I say this to the rest of the staff and I'll say it to you. I trust our elders and I value our elders and I genuinely watch that as we bring an idea to them or, or a subject to them, we benefit from their wisdom and their experience. They, they help us as we put things together. And so I value that from our elders. I trust their decision making and I watched it happen Wednesday night because each one of these guys brought forth just from their own experience, their own stage of life, their own way of thinking, the way God's kind of made them, brought a different approach to it. And and one elder kind of was looking at, okay, well, how does this affect the whole body? But another one was looking and, and thinking of individuals and say, well, how does this affect that individual person? And another one who kind of thinks more in terms of processes thought, well, here's how this could work better. And so by the end of it, we had a better idea and and direction than just the first proposal that was made. And so I watched that, that idea of a group of people coming together. And the group is better than any, any particular individual. And our elders, every time they meet, ask God for wisdom. And I think that's one of the ways that he answers that prayer. Is by the, the wisdom of the group. Some who are more shepherding in nature. Some who are more... Uh, overseeing in nature some who are just have more life experience and we're all better together in the first letter paul wrote to timothy he speaks to a church that he knows intimately he's been with them for three years and they have problems and and he identifies in first timothy some of those problems they're going to sound pretty familiar to you they have some gender struggles in that church. They have some false teachers who are, who are telling some things that the Bible says come from demons. They have some legalists in that church. And, and they want to forbid some things and, and make some rules about things. There's some division in that church over who is worthy of getting help and who isn't. There's some disruptive members in that church who disrespect the elders. And, and there's just some materialism and arrogance in that church and paul identifies we we can see all those issues come out but the way that we see them is paul doesn't address each individual issue what paul does is bolster the leadership when he sees a church and sees that there's some problems his answer to timothy is i want you to build up the leaders here and so in first timothy paul talks a lot about the different leaders and servants in the church and he speaks about what elders do. But even more than that, he talks about who elders are. Which suggests that the right heart is more important than the right job description. And I don't think I put that in your outline, but that's worth remembering as we think about men that we want to reaffirm and that we want to affirm as elders. The right heart is more important than the right job description. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul's going to begin some instructions to Timothy 
about elders. Excuse me. And he says, what I say is true. Anyone wanting to become an elder desires a good work. This morning, I just want to look at five important insights that we gain from that verse. What I say is true. Anyone wanting to become an elder desires a good work. And the first one is that an elder is an essential ministry. We believe that. We practice that. An elder is an essential ministry in God's church. And Paul begins by saying, what I say is true. And when Paul says that, when Jesus says that, when the Bible says that, it means pay attention. Because this is something that's really important. And the early church put a high premium on the calling of leaders in the church. Even though at that point it was dangerous to be one of the leaders of the church. But this was something that that was essential. And so Paul urges Men, young men, old men, to aspire to this God-given place of leadership in his church. So it's essential. The second thing is that being an elder is a limited ministry. It's an essential ministry, but it's a limited ministry. Probably one of the better translations of this verse is, If a man desires the overseer office of overseer, he desires a good work. And what I mean by limited is, in our understanding of Scripture... Our eldership is limited to men. It's reserved for men. The Greek grammar indicates that he's talking about males here. The context of 1 Timothy chapter 2 is talking about male leadership. And that's kind of an unpopular thing to say. Probably not a political correct thing to say. But I really do believe it's what the Bible says. And when we examine... The qualities of elders here. It talks about Mary being married. And it specifically talks about husbands. So if Paul had wanted to include women, that would have been a good place to change the language and talk about wives rather than husbands. Um, as As we keep going through the study, we're going to see that all of the list of qualifications are given in the masculine. And so I just want to say, as we talk about male leadership, the Bible is very, very clear that we all, men and women, are one in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3 makes that very clear. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have been made like Him. So in Christ... There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for all of you are Christians. You are one in Christ Jesus. The Bible makes it clear that God pours out His Spirit on the sons and the daughters. That we receive the Holy Spirit, that we all are gifted by the Holy Spirit. And have much to bring to the life of the body. But for some reason... In Scripture, from beginning to end, God has put the mantle of leadership. And that phrase comes from Elijah the prophet taking a coat off and putting it on to Elisha. That God has put that coat, that mantle of leadership on men. And that in no way, and don't let anyone turn it to such a way that that means we devalue women. 
I'm going to preach a sermon later this year that's going to talk about Jesus and his impact on the world. And we're going to deal specifically with the impact that Jesus has had on elevating the dignity and the status and the value of women. So that doesn't mean we devalue women in any way. It doesn't mean that we ever condone dehumanizing women or crushing their spirits. But in Scripture, and the way we understand and practice that Scripture, leadership in the home and in the church is something that God has ultimately made the man responsible for. Because in the Bible, when it comes to leadership, you cannot separate leadership from this idea of submission. And Jesus models it. He is the Lord and the King. But as that kind of leader, he submitted himself. And he made himself a man. And he submitted to the point that he went to the cross and he died. And so when we talk about leadership, Jesus is our model. And so even the leaders submit because in first Corinthians chapter 11, Paul lays out this idea in the church that women submit to the leadership of men, that men submit to the leadership of Christ and that Christ himself submits to the leadership of his father. So in that sense, it's a limited Ministry. Number three, being an elder is a desired ministry. And there are two words in the Bible for desire, and they're both used in this verse. And I like that because one of them is an internal desire, and the other is more of an external desire. One of them means to seek after something and to pursue it and to go after it. And then the other one implies just a passion in you that you can't help but and so when you put those two together this outward effort and this inward fire these two words kind of create a combustion of desire that it is something that a man needs to desire and that shouldn't be the only prerequisite but it's got to be the first prerequisite that the starting point in discovering an elder is do they have a god-given desire to pursue and to live out this life. Elders, I don't think elders should be recruited or coerced or convinced. That doesn't mean you don't have some conversations, but ultimately, a man has to want to do this. And in that sense, we recognize elders who are already wanting to do this and actually doing this because we shouldn't think that we'll give them a title and they'll become pastors. What we should do is look at guys who are being pastors. And let's recognize that God's already gifted them and called them to that feeding and leading and caring for the church. So, again, I don't think this is in your outline, but this is worth remembering too. Elders are elders before they are elders. Shepherds are shepherds before they are shepherds. So, it's got to be a desired ministry. The fourth thing here is, is being an elder is an elevated ministry. Now, I've already talked about submission. So in the, in the economy of God, if we can use that phrase, elevated carries with it a weight of service 
and sacrifice and submission. But it is an elevated ministry in the sense that it is something and someone that we should respect. You should not put forward a man as an elder that you don't respect. And that you're not willing to look up to and follow. Uh, That word that we don't use very often, but it's just as biblical as shepherd or elder, is that word bishop or overseer. And, And that word was literally the word that was used in a Greek city for the manager of the city. We still have city managers. That, that's, that's this overseer. This, that's a guy that's responsible for making sure it works. That things happen. And they have a wide range of responsibilities that we see in Scripture. They're responsible for our souls is one thing that Scripture says. They, they rule. That's a word that the Bible uses. They rule. They lead. They, they preach and they teach. They pray according to James. They care for the church according to 1 Peter. In Acts 15, we see that they're the ones that when a decision's got to be made, they set church policy. They make the decision. Um, they also have responsibility for ordain, ordaining and passing on and raising up the next generation of leaders. And so these are crucial responsibilities. And that's why Paul says this is a worthy calling. This is an elevated ministry. This is a phrase that means it is noble and it is excellent. And this is high quality work. So being an elder is a high calling. We've already talked about that. But Paul says, appreciate those who work hard among you, who lead you in the Lord and teach you. Respect them with a very special love because of the work that they do. And so this is a place for us to stop and ask, do I respect my elders? And do I show them that? And do I show them that kind of love? And regard because of the work that they do. The fifth thing that we see here is that being an elder is a rigorous ministry. Paul says that anyone who desires to be an elder desires a good work. It's a work. It's not a hobby. It's not a club. It's not even a part-time job. It's a full-time job. And most of the men who carry the work also have a full-time job. It's a work. Being a lazy elder would be easy. Being a good elder is work. To devote yourself to a group of people. To devote yourself to caring for them. For knowing them. For being involved in their life. For keeping up with them. For leading them. For feeding them. For guiding them. For loving them. You don't, your job as an elder doesn't stop when you leave the building. And you never have all the questions asked. And you never have all the members healthy. But it is a work that is rewarded by God. Peter says this to his fellow elders. When Christ the chief shepherd comes, you will get a glorious crown that will never lose its beauty. So we should expect our elders to take it seriously and to work Because God's going to reward that when he comes. So. That's not happened before. (laughs) The time change, I'm just realizing. Okay. Thought, man, somebody just wanted me to stop. (laughs) Now, I hope it wasn't the Lord. Because I got more to say. No, we're almost finished. 
how do we select elders? John uh, Honing is about to come up here and, and talk to us a little bit about that. At Tenth and Broad, we've been using what we call the participative process. We all participate. We've been using this for about 30 years. It has been one of the ways that we have continued to select healthy, godly men to be our leaders. Um, and John's going to come and talk about that process and, and how that looks. I'm going to come back up and say one quick thing after that. And then we're going to be led in a, a special prayer. Good morning, church. So as Ken said, my name is John Honig. I'm uh, up here this morning uh, representing the... Uh, Elder Administrative Committee, and uh, I wanted to talk to you about the next phase in the uh, the process of, uh, of nominating our next elders, and which is nominations actually is the next the next uh, phase. And so I wanted to kind of go over this process with you to kind of let you know um, basically how it goes, and and hopefully answer any questions that you may have. So all the members of the congregation, which including those that are on the administrative committee will be asked to submit in writing the names of those men that the person would like to see considered to serve as elder. The list will include those men that are currently serving as an elder, as well as the men that are not currently serving as an elder. The nominations must be signed, and these following guidelines will apply for a man to be considered uh, further. So his name must appear on 20 or more nomination sheets. A nominee who receives less than 20 nominations will be withdrawn from further consideration. The administrative committee will contact the nominees who have met the guidelines uh, above and determine privately if each would be willing to serve as an elder if selected um, by the congregation. And any nominee who is unwilling to proceed further, uh, he will be removed from the nomination process. Once all the nominations are received, the committee will carefully review the nominees. In the case where the committee perceives that biblical qualifications may become an issue, the committee will discuss the matter privately with the nominee and provide the nominee an opportunity to explain further or withdraw from the process. In the event that the committee cannot resolve the matter with the nominee and the committee's combined wisdom determines that the nominee should not proceed, the issue will be forwarded to the current elders for their decision in the matter, based solely on biblical qualifications. After perfectly considering the matter, the current elders will instruct the committee on how to proceed. Now, at this time, can I have the uh, members of the Elder Administration Committee go ahead and meet at the back um, and just prepare for, uh, to pass out the nomination forms? So there's a couple of additional things I'd like you guys to be mindful of. Um, I want you to nominate uh, all men that you believe that are fit to be an elder. Also, be sure that you've talked to all the men that you are nominating and see if they're willing to, to serve as an elder. And this allows you to communicate with them and, in, and just kind of have that conversation, as Ken was talking about this morning. Um, and not, you know, just to see where, where they're at. And that way, um, men aren't put up who may not necessarily be... Uh, uh, willing to, to move forward in the process. 
The nominations will cease on the 20th um, at 12 noon, and that's two weeks from today. So with that said, um, I, ask, I encourage you to be active in this process. Uh, there's high standards in this, and so I, I encourage you to be perfectly considering those who that you are nominating in this process. And to um, act quickly, because we never know what may happen, um, and, and things that may come up. So I, I ask that you not procrastinate, and I know that I can be um, guilty of that sometimes as well. Um, there's a designated box to deposit the nomination forms, and currently it's in that back table. Um, I believe it's like blue or purple. So uh, once you've completed your forms and signed them, um, go ahead and, and, and put them uh, in, those, in that box. And just wanted to reiterate, a man's name must appear on 20 nominations, uh, 20 nomination forms in order to, be, uh, to move forward in the process. That includes a current elder. So please, if you believe that the current elders are, um, should be moving forward and, and continue to serve as an elder, please, can, please nominate them as well on the sheet. Um, except for Steve Kaiser, who, is, um, who will be uh, stepping down at the end uh, of this uh, elder term. And that's all I have this morning. Thank you for your time. Thank you, John. I just want to say three last things. Just give you three words. First word is ponder. Second word is pray. And the third word is participate. And I want you to ponder over this. As you can tell, I hope you can tell today, there's a, there is a significant weight attached to what we are doing. It's important. As the preacher of your church, I know how important this is. Because I, I submit myself to these men and I follow their lead. So there's a weight to this. So ponder this. Search the scriptures. We're going to talk next week a little bit more about the picture that scriptures paint of the heart and the character of these men. So ponder that. The second thing I want you to do is pray. I, I believe there's no more important thing you will do than pray. We spent a day of prayer and fasting last Wednesday over this church and over this process and over the men that we believe with all our heart that God is raising. We have a process that we do this in, but it is God who we are asking to select our elders. And it's through prayer and it's through fasting in Scripture. And I could quote you a number of places. This is how the church in Acts found their leaders is they prayed and they fasted. So I encourage you. I hope you participated with us last Wednesday. I encourage you to pick another day and pray and fast over this. Um, that, that prayer guide is still on our, our homepage. And ask God to choose the leaders he is calling and ordaining and blessing for our church. And the third thing I want to ask you to do is to participate. We call this the participative process because this gives every baptized member in this church a say. Not all churches do that. Churches have different ways, but that's the way we do it. So that you have input into the men that you believe God is calling and that you respect and that you hold high and that you want to follow. And so you have a voice in this. Don't be silent. Please participate. Fill out your nomination form. That's this step. There'll be other steps to come and turn that in so that we can have a good representation of what God is doing in this church family and in this church body. So ponder and pray and participate. Ted Paddock is one of our uh, former elders 
former shepherds, who is still a man that we revere and look up to and that I am blessed by. And so I want to ask Ted, he's also on our administrative committee. I want to ask Ted to come up and to pray for us and, and for our church as we go through this process. Would you pray with me? Father, we uh, approach you as your children at a special season in this church. Uh, Father, we, we, we come with uh, mixed emotions. This is an exciting time. It should be an exciting time. And we count it as such in the honor of, that you give us of participating in your work here in the season and the history of your church throughout the ages that father we also recognize that it's in no way a sad time but it is it is a sacred and somber time it's a serious time for us to do it so we celebrate and we enjoy the fact that you allow us to participate as part of it but we take it very seriously father as mentioned this morning We recognize that the men that we put forth to be considered have to be men of special men. But Father, we don't expect them to be perfect. We all are sinners, Father. So we expect them not to be perfect, but that we can see that they had been made perfect through their love and their acceptance of you and through their, the salvation of Jesus Christ on the cross. So, Father, as we look to them, uh, even though there may be flaws that we could mention, unless there are the type flaws that, um, uh, that would others may look at uh, and think that, that's not, that it's above, not above reproach. In fact, that's the second thing that I was going to mention specifically, Father, that uh, as I read some of the qualifications, it says that they need to be men above reproach. And I would also say that, that not just here at 10th and Broad, but they need to be men who, whenever we go out into the community and even among non-believers, that, they, that we don't have to be ashamed, that we can be proud. They need to be men above reproach. And so we, we're, as we do our part, they're doing their part. But as we do our part, we encourage uh, that to be one of our main goals. Father, uh, we know that you are the, the maximum lover. And we try to love others, but we need to see love in their life. And so as we look to, to these men, Father, uh, this is our part. We need to not only see love with them, but we need to express love to them. Help us to be a loving congregation led by loving men. Father, we want to see servants. As we see the servants, we need to first of all, as we... Tell them we love them. We need to also hold their hands up. And as they become your servants and your shepherds, uh, 
We need to do so even more because the burden can be heavy. So as we select, we need to select men who are servants and men who are bold. The boldness needs to be evident and help us to be the people who follow them in being bold also as we follow our shepherds. Father, we uh, last of all would state that we're looking for spirit-led men. There's many people that are successful. There's many people that are very good people. But Father, we want to elevate those that we can see you working through the Spirit in their lives. Help us as we take seriously this nomination form and as we take seriously confirming those men as your shepherds. Thank you, and we pray through the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, through you, Jesus, who gave all, we pray. And the congregation said, Amen.